Hello, everybody, and welcome to Documentation Not Included, a tech industry podcast presented by DNI Stream, the live knowledge repository for software professionals. It's Thursday at 7 o'clock BST. Are we still on BST? We're on GMT now. No? No, we're on BST every week. One of us gets it wrong. Uh, anyway, we are live on twitch.tv forward slash DNI Stream. I'm Chris, and unfortunately, Josie is ill. Um, hopefully, not too serious. From what she's described, it sounds a, a little bit ominous. Uh, considering the, the current situation, but hopefully get get well soon, Josie, and I'm sure all of our listeners are uh, saying the same. Um, I am, however, joined by Zane. Zane has been on the show before, um, so please do introduce yourself, Zane. Tell everybody who you are and what you do. I'm Zane, Zane Daniel, and uh, I am a data strategy consultant. So I focus on data strategy and uh, implementations of uh, data. Good stuff, good stuff. So, um, as always, a big hello to everybody in Twitch chat. There's already been a few people chatting. I like to see that before the show, as always. Um, sometimes I was doing a stream yesterday and I had pretty much no one talk to me the entire four hours I was streaming, but it's really nice when we do get uh, get an audience. So please do get involved. We are live and we do feel questions on the show. So, um, before we get going, let's get our icebreaker question out of the way. So... I had something in mind when I thought of this one today, but it's uh, it, it's a bit weird, but I'm going to let you run with it. Um, what is your favourite one or two metres squared on the planet? One or two metres squared? Yeah, so, you know, what is your favourite small space on the planet? I don't know. It would probably be my room, right? So that's, I mean, a lot of us, a lot of programmers would say that, and that's would be my, probably if I was asked the question, stock answer. Um, uh, but I, I had two others. Go on, have you got anything else? Or? No, give me, give me an example of what, so, what you had in mind. So two others. One is my bike. Whenever I'm on my uh, cycle, I absolutely love it because I can go anywhere. I can go anywhere in the world. Uh, it's not a motorcycle, it's a you know a push bike. Uh, but I'm really keen, you know, I'm in the summer. Unfortunately, it's been the loveliest summer ever and we're not allowed to go outside. Um, and I'd be out on my bike at this time of year. Um, but other other than that, there's a little rock um, up in Scotland in a little place, and I think I've probably mentioned it on the podcast before, up in Scotland, a little place called Port Logan that I sit on. If I've, When I was a kid, I used to sit on it and watch the sun go down or sit on it and wait for my dad to come back uh, from his days fishing because um, it was kind of on a rock looking out into the sea, into the uh, Irish Sea, I think. Yeah, it will have been the Irish Sea. Um, and, you know, just just a lovely, really quiet, there's no sound anywhere. It's just a lovely experience being there. They're the kind of things I was looking for. Hmm. Um, I can't, uh, well, I, I would say my room other than, and uh, I mean, bike, I do like, I do like my bike, but uh, uh, <laughs> there's just so many things, right? The bike and then the computer as well, the, the two meter square where, um, you know, uh, a good computer with uh, screen, I guess. Uh, so it's just hard to choose. Yeah, I think I think the thing is, I get so much joy out of this two yeah, meter square yeah. that I sit in because I do everything on my computer. I do yeah. a whole manner of things, and I'm never bored when I'm at it. Yeah. Very occasionally, I'll be like, "All right, I've had enough. I'm closing down," and I'm, you know, I don't. But most of the time, I have to pull myself away from it and go and do real life things. Um, but yeah, uh, 
it's a hard one. It's a hard one. Anyway, yeah. so let's move on to the topic today. We are we are uh, we've got Zane back to talk about artificial intelligence again because last time we had we kind of had a primer on it. We talked about it in general. Um, we went into a deta- in a few little bits of detail uh, around some subjects, but we wanted to have Zane back to talk about um, the limitations of artificial intelligence, what it is, I suppose, not capable of, um, where its, you know, where its weaknesses are. So let's get going. Um, I think we can start off with what what are the limitations of AI? I mean, we, we talked about them a little bit last time. So yeah, actually, um, let's talk about um, let's talk about the limitations of um, say facial recognition. Um, so uh, if I can, I'll, I'll start with the example of you know uh, the example of recognition recognition of uh, cats and dogs pictures. So we have seen that you know that's very easy to do, and we can recognize a cat and uh, and a dog and distinguish that very easily. The next part of recognition is uh, recognizing the breed and uh, recognizing the different types of within the breeds and all the different uh, within you know all the different species you can think of of dogs mm-hmm. and cats and uh, and obviously each one will have different slightly different facial uh, uh, features and uh, or body features um, you know cats will, will have a different also also of different uh, um, uh, you could say uh, patterns in there on their body, um, and um, the thing is that that would be the next step of uh, saying, okay, now we we can recognize cats and dogs. Now we want to recognize the breeds and uh, distinguish them, uh, and say, you know what, where can we, where are we likely to find this cats and these this particular cat? Um, so the thing is that what happens is. Uh, when you are you, uh, normally this this all happens with the neural network so what, what you do is you have a neural network and you're trying to distinguish between only two items which is either it's a, do- a cat or a dog mm-hmm. so for a neural network that is a very very easy job to distinguish between two classes which is one class is dog one cat class is cat but is it i mean surely some dogs I mean, cats would never really be uh, mistook for dogs, but some dogs could be mistook for cats. But the thing is that because uh, um, you are, when you're training the AI model, you're giving it so many pictures and it will see that the general shape of a dog and the facial recognition and facial features as well as the body features, it will know that this label of a dog, we know that this is a dog. It will it'll get it like 99% correct. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, even, uh, it, might, it might get actually one or two wrong, depending on what sort of data you've provided. It might actually happen. I mean, we, 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 we don't expect it to be 100% right anyway. Um, but the thing is that, the, and that's the easy part, the, the, it becomes trickier as soon as you are uh, increasing the number of um, classes it has to distinguish between. So then say you are now saying, oh, we, we have say 10 breeds. We are gonna give it 10 breeds and we want to distinguish which cat is uh, according to which breed. That becomes very difficult mm. because now it has to uh, create a sort of a mapping of 10 different features uh, based on the sort of understanding it, it can uh, um, get. And the way we would do that, we would have say, we would add more layers um, so, for example, uh, let me just talk about what, what it means to uh, add layers. 
Um, you know, last time, if if you were if you were here, what I mentioned is that when you are recognizing the letter A, mm. what we do is we basically the way we recognize is that we have letter A, and then whenever another letter A appears, we do what's called one pixel minus the other. It's normally called a dice coefficient. So we we do that, and then we get a very big value when two A's are matching. So two pictures of A are matching. Now the thing is that that's not exactly how it happens because that's not uh, it's not uh, it's not possible. What it, what actually happens is we take the image of A, we break it down into smaller pictures, and then we break down the incoming picture into smaller pictures as well, and then we do the comparison on the smaller pictures. Or in fact, we break down the smaller pictures into further smaller pictures, and the comparison is done on the smaller you know the smaller pictures of the, the yeah, smaller the pictures. Children so the children. Yeah. yeah, so that's the sort of thing uh, the, the comparison is done with. Now, what happens is uh, when you break down uh, the, the, a picture into a chunk and then break down that chunk into another chunk. So, for example, let's let me give an example. The best way is say we have the letter nine, right? We have the letter nine, which has a bit of a shape of O at the top and, uh, and a straight line at the bottom. So we, we can say that, you know, we can divide the letter nine into two shapes. There's the O and there's a one sort of thing or like a straight line at the bottom. And if we give it uh, two different, we break it down into chunks. We know that this is one shape and this is another shape. And this makes up uh, and the position of the shapes makes up the whole shape. And that sort of thing is broken down into, say, one layer of a neural network. We'll recognize the one shape of an O. And another layer will recognize the letter, the shape of the uh, line, and then it will. What what if what would happen is that as the picture is propagating through the uh, network, the neural network, it will light up uh, this particular um, shape and then the other shape, and then say that these two shapes have the link to number nine. So this is how it normally works. Yep. So what we do is we we say that one layer. We're supposing that one layer is going to break down the image into one particular features. Uh, so for a cat, it could be, um, say, you know, the, the whiskers. Uh, and, uh, and, and one layer would be the, you know, it would recognize the whiskers. And another layer would recognize the eyes. And it will basically sort of create sort of mappings of um, what that actual face or what, what, what that actually looks like. So, uh, and it becomes more and more difficult uh, because as you mentioned that, you know, some, some dogs may actually look like cats. Now that's when it becomes more difficult because some cats may look like other breeds of cats, right? Yeah, so they yeah, are very, absolutely. they could be very similar. That is where it, it gets, starts to get wrong. It basically, it fails. Um, and that's one issue. Now, the thing is that uh, the reason why why we haven't why you know normal people like us may not have noticed it is because these sort of problems are only tackled by big companies like Google and uh, Microsoft, and they have you know huge data centers, huge GP unlimited GP almost, and uh, they have the the world of computers to train the best uh, neural networks and the models they can do, and they can do that regularly and they can keep on updating by adding more pictures and recognizing and adding more layers and then keep on doing that now that's something that's possible and they can uh sort of uh you know uh, 
minimize the problem of that scale issue. Yep. And um, they, they can do that. However, uh, as normal people who are doing research or who are simply, who might have, you know, for, for us, if we have, uh, if we are trying to build it ourselves, we would need to spend a lot of money to do that because we would have to run on uh, big GPUs or buy GPUs and then train for days. And then, uh, you know, it might, it might not be right. Then we have to do another training. Yep. So that's basically one issue. Now the thing is that one of the ways they, one of the ways that uh, Google would do that, or the way if you make it simpler is you break it down. You basically say one neural network will have that problem of uh, 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 distinguish between cats and dogs. Then, uh, so we what we first do is we take a picture, and then we feed it into that cats and dogs neural network. It will say it's a cat. Then we take that cat's picture and put it into Another neural network which basically distinguishes which breed, say we, we first only distinguish, distinguish a group of 10, and then it say, okay, fine, it's, it seems to be within that ten, uh, number two. And then we take that picture again, and then we put it into another neural network, and we say, okay, now let's, think, let's try to distinguish it as much as possible. So that's the sort of way of dealing with scale. Okay. Now, when it comes to facial recognition, here's the hard part. Uh, and uh, and here's why Facebook gets it, you know, right. And we are, you know, people are like, Facebook gets it, you know, uh, pretty much 99.99% correct. Whenever I upload a picture, it recognizes my image, it recognizes my friend's image, and it it basically labels everyone's image correctly all the time. How does it do that? Mm. Now, the thing is, the reason why it works so well is that Facebook will basically limit the number of uh, classes it has to distinguish. So, for example, it knows that uh, in the picture there are ten faces, and you have about hundred and you might have say four hundred friends, but you interact with about uh, say twenty friends yeah. on a regular basis. So, it will basically limit the problem into twenty friends and distinguish the faces against twenty different faces, and that's but much easier problem to solve. It will already. For each of those faces, though, it will already um, have a output, a neural network, a result. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll already know what that face looks like. The AI will already know. So they don't have to do that work. They just have to run, I suppose, run the output of your friends' faces on your images that you upload. So it's, I imagine it's quite a quick process e either way. So for them, it's easier, but, but the reason why it's, well, it is quick because they have already done that, but one of the reasons why it's quicker is because they are limiting the problem. What, hmm. So what I'm going to say next is that, say, you know, when people think, oh, because, you know, Facebook can do it so well, I've seen it myself, facial recognition works, let's, let's roll it out to, uh, you know, for surveillance. Now, the issue is, here's the issue. When you roll it out, and as soon as you scale to tens of thousands or even 1,000, and you want to distinguish one face against 1,000 faces, and then you want to get it right, it's very difficult because mm. now you are increasing the number of classes. Your neural network, whatever it was trained on, it probably was not you know, Google's, um, and uh, it probably was not uh, Facebook's if you are you know, rolling out a surveillance technology. Now, that's where it fails, and that's where we see headlines such as uh, someone was caught due to AI surveillance technology, but that person was not the right person and uh, it was someone else. And uh, um, and then we, we read articles like the accuracy needs to be 
99% or higher. And that, that's true. And also it's because of how you, the, the thing is that the, the, the whole way how a neural network works, it fails. It fails miserably when it needs to distinguish between more than 1,000 classes. It just fails because it's already very heavy in, its, in what it's doing. And uh, we, we simply, even if we try to make it heavier it, and, and give more GPU to it, it's not going to work. Yeah. So you have to solve it in a different way. Um, and um, so for one of the things that um, some companies do, for example, uh, one company was the uh, Clearview, uh, was basically what, what they were doing is... Uh, uh, breaking down facial recognition fe- facial features um, and then br- breaking them down into a way which w- where we can um, decrease the number of classes so we, we have a much higher sort of facial recognition so we have, um, we basically they're basically saying that there are these this many types of noses there are these many types of mouths there are these ter- yeah. many types of eyebrows etc and then they're using the data from that output to closer to create closer matches with individual faces, section by section. Is that right? So uh, that and also uh, basically uh, putting some sort of uh, like putting dots on the face. So and then saying uh, not dots on the face, but basically saying where the eyes are and yeah. where the nose is and the relationship of those. Uh, so trying to reduce the problem of uh, not uh, giving more than 1,000 uh, classes to a neural network. Now, and that's still a very difficult problem to do. Now, the thing is that um, in order for it to work 100% or not 100%, so let's say in order for it to work uh, more than um 99 or you know really accurately what you have to do is you have to give it uh a lot of pictures for everyone so you know for example for dog cats and dogs we give it what ten thousand pictures so five thousand for each cats and dogs now imagine giving five thousand pictures of each person and then giving it the highest quality of that person no who's gonna possibly do that obviously other than you know people are uploading their pictures onto facebook and uh, they're they're, it's adding up and uh, people are also you know amazon prime rolled out this photo uh sharing but not sharing photo like uh, digital uh, library so you can upload your pictures and uh, unlimited pictures and uh, you know you 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 can use that service like a dropbox thing um, so that that's also, those pictures are can be used because you have say five thousand pictures of each person of their different facial uh, uh, angles and different lights, and then you have that sort of map so and then here's another issue with facial recognition technology, uh, which is that uh, which Apple understood really well, uh, and they basically have this uh, infrared thing because um, uh, the thing is that um, can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. It's just that the image was. There. I was wondering whether it disconnected or not. No, no, no. I'm um, just. I'm. I'm engrossed. That's all. It's. 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 As I said before, I'm not that um, knowledgeable on AI. So what I interject isn't going to be particularly useful. So I'm. I'm. 
biding my time here. I'm, I'm seeing, uh, I'm trying to take as much information as possible. <laughs> okay, cool. So, um, uh, basically, uh, yeah, the other problem, uh, with at least with facial recognition, is that uh, darker faces or even lighter faces, but with, uh, say, not good lighting, basically cannot be recognized. So this is one of the issues that happened ages ago, which was that uh, uh, people thought that AI is racist and it <laughs> right. was not recognizing correctly. Now, it's, it's just one of those things that it's, uh, it's just a, ba a bad technology um, due to um, the fact that it's, it simply cannot work uh, solely on a light. Okay. Hello? Hello? You uh, you are popping up with connection interrupted, but you're not actually being interrupted. I can still hear you clearly. Well, I think we may okay, be cool. losing Fine. losing. I thought, uh... No, no, it's it's it seems okay. Don't worry at the moment. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, okay, so um, and uh, what Apple have done is basically use infrared, and what infrared does is basically creates, uh, you know, it it. Uh, um, uh, uh, projects infrared onto uh, the person's face, and then it reads back. And that is much more accurate, and it simply works for every single face. Right, um, okay. Even but to the point that you can wear glasses, and you can wear two glasses. Sometimes I wear you know, extra pair for when I'm doing my you know, programming stuff. Okay. So I can wear two glasses, and, and it still works. So, so infrared, that... Is that still AI though? Is that still classed as AI? Because the infrared is all—I'm assuming that's scanning the face rather than, rather than. I suppose that's what AI is doing, isn't it? Scanning it and storing images and analyzing no, images. Basically, what, uh, what infrared is doing is basically providing the AI model with another input right. and saying, "Okay, uh, this is the picture on where with a face which with, with light, you know natural light or with the uh, low light or whatever." And uh, and this is what the face looks like, and then the face and the person has provided the face uh, image once, mm -hmm. but then he also provides the infrared, and the infrared basically is sort of because it's two inputs to the AI, it's much more accurate, and it's in fact um, much you could say because it's distinguishing only one person against everyone else. Yeah, it knows yeah. that. If it's someone else, then don't recognize it. It's only one person. It just works really well. So that's it's interesting. That's certainly interesting. So that the, the yeah. when you say it's giving it an, uh, giving them an additional input, is that just another channel? So it's it's also using the plane image as well as the infrared image. So it's yeah. it's it's doing or is and is when the infrared image is being scanned, is it scanning the infrared image in the same way that it would scan the standard image? And it, all it's it, doing is overlaying the infra, the infrared information. So it's it's doing a, a bit of a um, a bit of a three D thing as well because if the infrared camera is slightly further away from the the normal uh, light camera, um, and it's basically doing that where it's combining the two things and then it's uh, saying that this person seems to be yes, this is the right person. Right. Okay. Because uh, it, it's what what it's trying to do is that it's trying to. Uh, Reduce the uh, the likelihood of someone who's who looks like you, who are, who are actually uh, are, are perfect a picture perfect. You know, you basically print a perfect picture, say six hundred DPI, 
and then you basically stick it in front of the camera, then obviously it will recognize it because it's only a, a single um, camera, right? Hmm. But because it's two things, it's uh, in uh, camera and infrared. First, it's, it's giving you a 3D slightly. And so it knows that this is basically a real, it's not a picture anymore. Right. So that's, and the second thing it does is it's, it's going to say that not even your identical twin will be able to, unless you know, you're, you're a child and then because they are very, very similar to each other. Difficult, uh, but uh, uh, but yeah. If uh, the idea is that because you have um, you will be different to your even to your identical twin, you, there's no way it's gonna try and uh, uh, you you will be able to access the phone, and that's that's quite clever. Uh, that is very clever because that was my next question about you know identical twins that look the same to yeah. us, and they can fool quite often other humans. Yeah. So. Can, sorry, can you? Ex I know you just did, but can you explain maybe in a bit more detail how it distinguishes between someone who looks identical to somebody else? Because to me, if I have an identical identical twin, I might look like them if I have a particular if I'm in a particular facial expression. If you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, they, yeah. They so the thing is that it's uh, the to, uh, first of all. Um, what it does is it's it's going to build up some sort of a map of uh, your face. But uh, the other thing is that because it knows that this is the sort of face, what it looks like, I'm not sure of how it will actually distinguish in, in the, um, um, if it's, a say, a child, because a child is just too similar. It's too difficult. But for someone who's grown up, even if it's, even if you have one or two angles, but because you have so many other angles which are different, then it will know that this is the sort of person we we scanned first. Okay. Uh, and also, it can fail. Whereas, in it, wow. uh, if, um, for example, if if it sees that um, all of a sudden, say you 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 sh you know you shave your beard, mm -hmm. then it will it will simply fail well, because no, it's. I was going to say, if I have an accident and I get a scar on my face, yeah, oh, it then... will, yeah. I'm going to be quite different. And in, let's say in the future where we're all using our faces to log on to things, yeah? Um, well, I know we do it now, but let's say that is, that becomes a standard. What happens when you have an accident and this happens, or you decide, right, I want to shave my beard off, or, you know, or you get a significantly older and the AI algorithm doesn't still doesn't recognize you, the additional wrinkles that you've got? Yeah. I mean, would they just have to retrain the AI in that instance? So it's it's uh, the the interesting thing is that it doesn't. Um, it's it's quite interesting. At least for Apple, at least for that Face ID feature, it's uh, it's it's very limited because it's only doing for one person, and uh, it knows that this is the person who is using the phone. And another thing is that on top of that is uh, because as as you constantly logging in, it's constantly scanning your face. So it, okay. it constantly knows the changes that your face will go through. I think I'm thinking of uh, people who wouldn't log on to a system for a long time. For example, there are some accounts that I have that I haven't logged on to for years, but I may want to yeah. log on to them sometime in the future. There's been a few accounts this year I've logged on to that I didn't think I would, but I'm back on. So in that instance, they haven't seen me for five years, and then suddenly they they get a new image of me with this big bushy beard and additional, you know, wrinkles between my eye, eyes, yeah. uh, you know, they wouldn't recognize me, surely. So the thing is that uh, here's, here's quite interesting. Here's something quite interesting. 
you know, Google and Apple or Microsoft or Amazon or Facebook do not provide a facial recognition API such that, you know, like we have the login uh, authentication where we can say, oh, they provide an API where we can actually log in mm -hmm. to Microsoft and then it uh, checks that, oh, yeah, this person is correctly logged in. Then it sends a, uh, a response back and that this person is correctly logged in. Uh, they do not do that with an image. They do not do where it's, you know, there are cameras available on Amazon, uh, which basically have this Windows Hello thing. So you could actually use those cameras to build up an image with a infrared uh, uh, map. Uh, the thing is that still none of these big companies offer this feature where you can say, okay, uh, if you give uh, us images of this person, uh, say five images, um, and um, um, have this person, you know, look like, you know, do a round face and then uh, turn this way, turn that way, and so on. So, uh, and then we will basically provide a login system where every time they need to log in, then they basically show their face to the camera, to this particular camera that you have bought. Then they will log in. It, it, there's no uh, feature. Well, it's I could, I could see if the, do you say are you saying they would need a special camera to do that? Yeah. So at least the cameras available. Say for example the. On Amazon, it's a Windows Hello special camera, which okay. is a camera with a infrared built-in. So I can see two problems with that. One, um, the barrier to entry there uh, is that people need to have a very special camera for it. And secondly, sure. even if they had a special camera, surely they could hold up an image of somebody else, of, of the person they want to log on to in front of the camera, or they can somehow project and i'm sure there's some security built into it but somehow they could stream an image to the service if they had a logon service uh, via their api that allowed them to essentially send an image from the camera to the api someone will be able to spoof that and send an image of somebody from facebook and say i want to log into their facebook account i've got this picture of them there you go so the, the that's what i'm saying that because there are two cameras there's one normal camera and there's one infrared it creates a 3D map. Oh right! It's 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 gonna fail. In fact, what uh, what's interesting? What's interesting is that someone actually, well, you know, they uh, were testing when Face ID newly came out. They basically uh, 3D printed uh, a whole uh, like a face uh, of someone with the exact colors and all the features perfectly. In fact, probably not 3D printed or probably you know uh, carved out of uh, some sort of clay. Yeah. And they tried to basically recognize, and it just did not recognize. Um, and uh, yeah. I, and the thing is that um, uh, why it did not do that? That's that's something. It's it's a it's a good feature, but it's something where we can see why it's uh, uh, it, it requires you could say further uh, uh, programming in in that yeah. sense. We can definitely, we definitely know it fails at an image because an image is basically a two D image, yeah. and the cameras will know straight away that they are looking at a plane. Okay, so that's just my ignorance there. Not no, yeah. I don't, I don't know anything about this world. So yeah, I, I was, I, I assumed that it was just an image, a, a camera that took an image of some description. But if it takes a three D image of some some description, then that makes more sense. So we've talked a bit, a, a little bit there about um, how or. or the limitations of AI being used for facial recognition. So can we talk, have we got anything to talk about outside of facial recognition, the AI that um, 
or rather AI's general limitations? So AI's general limitations are, yeah, uh, let's talk about um, it's, let's talk about the uh, self-driving cars. Um, so self-driving cars, basically, they're the companies who, you know, make them all the big companies, uh, Uber, Tesla, Volvo, um, all the big companies that are in this particular game right now, they have, they have the same problem, which is that we train AI, we give it a data, and it learns, and, and that's all it knows. Yeah. So, and we, it just does not generalize enough for it to know the, okay, you know what, this is what it might be in a different scenario. So they have to give it every single scenario. And they have to give it a lot of sensors as well to be able to gather. Yeah, they gather. have to give it a lot of sensors. Now, that, that's, another, that's another limitation currently, which is that it's basically, uh, it just does not generalize enough. And the reason is that it's not, uh, it's basically the way it's coded, the way that it does what it's supposed to do. It recognizes whatever you give it. It knows uh, from the data you've given it that this particular feature is, uh, it, will, it will know that particular feature and that's it. It will not generalize to uh, another feature. Uh, and that's one of the, the, you could say, the bane of the problem hmm. uh, of the uh, companies that are creating self-driving cars. Well, uh, surely, surely in, in a self-driving car scenario, the, the car only has so much processing power that can be built into it. It doesn't have a server farm built into it. It doesn't have, uh, you can't rely on it having access to the internet and having access to, you know, server farms via, via uh, Wi-Fi or whatever, or, you know, satellites, etc. So it has limitations in terms of its hardware and its in internal capacity as well. It can't just, it can't, it can't go off and uh, run neural networks within its, uh, within its own CPU or GPU, can it? I mean, it can it, to an extent, but not, it can't process th tens of thousands of images or the, the amount of data that it needs to process every millisecond for it to respond to, you know, someone walking in front of it. Or I mean, that, that's different, oh, isn't it? When they... that's, that, it does that. However, what it doesn't do is, um, for example, it knows. So, you know, when you give it, uh, when, you give, when you give it features, say we have given a feature, we have given images of uh, cats and dogs and we've given it, you know, 100,000 images now and the neural network recognizes it perfectly. And then it basically uh, takes that and um, then we basically uh, take that script, which is, and we optimize it so we know that it works, you know, uh, it, um, it works ridiculously fast. We we start using C++ uh, to do the inferences so that it basically spits out the inference uh, at a millisecond, mm -hmm. uh, a split second, as quickly as we want. We can do that. And, um, and then we basically throw, you know, millions of pictures. And then it basically throws back millions of labels. It can do that. Uh, and, uh, and the reason is that once it's trained, because there's a two, there are two bits of it, the training itself requires a lot of GPUs and a lot of um, processing power, and uh, a lot of time. So that's and done off. That's that's not done on the vehicle. That's done that's in the server farms, and that the output of that information, that that information gathering exercise, is programmed or rather provided to the car, yeah, so, so the car sort of can like process on it. 
new new instructions or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so it's the thing is that that's done offline, off say on a uh, Google uh, GCP or AWS, whatever Azure, uh, their clouds or there are other other sort of uh, uh, facilities out there which do um, training of uh, you know do they do high performance computing but much cheaply than uh, the big players. Uh, so a company would may, may go to them uh, for training and may say, okay, we want to take your GPUs and uh, we want to train our uh, um, neural networks. And then we take the output and put it into, into the car. The car, all it does is, all its processor is supposed to do is that um, the processor is powerful enough to... Uh, and it's it's uh, it's a uh, um, custom image, so it's bespoke. It's all it's supposed to do is all the f uh, sensor it has, it will uh, basically uh, read all the signals it can get and process them at a, at a split second, and then pass the instructions to whatever you know brake or whatnot. Yep, it'll aggregate the data, and it'll also yep. speak to roadside devices as well, um, called uh, edge devices and. You know, IoT oh, stuff. So I don't think there are any. It's not, I don't think it's speaking to any edge devices. Well, um, it is because I've actually done work specifically on um, edge um, device uh, processing of information to okay. control things like signals based on car. It's not okay. quite self-driving okay. car stuff, as in yeah. t sending a, a. No, actually, you know what? I'm lying. It actually was sending signals to the cars, um, and it's kind of it's cutting edge stuff, and there were. It, the sensors were set up around a city, and the okay. sensors essentially gathered data. The edge devices, i.e. the roadside boxes, um, were processing the information, and then they were sending the information to the car and telling the car, right, there is 0.6 of a second, you know, in 0.6 of a second you're going to hit this obstacle, this vulnerable road user or whatever, it's, whatever it is, and then the car would initiate a brake. So... Okay. They they kind of work together, but this isn't really that isn't really AI. That's just um, huge amounts of uh, data being processed and aggregated, you know, by edge devices and sending them to the car. And then it's up to the car what it wants to do. It uses yeah. the AI within it to but, and, and uh, uses that input as an additional piece of information to actually make a, a decision. Yeah, I th uh, so the thing is that that's probably one of the companies, but um, um, other companies are not doing that. No, no. So, this I, I, again, I unfortunately I'm under NDA for that kind of stuff. Yeah, but that's, that's I can't I can't talk about other, it specifically. Other companies are uh, are basically what they're doing is they're saying oh, because uh, you can't actually if you're relying on edge devices, then uh, you can't actually have edge devices uh, planted everywhere. And, no, no. This uh, is talking about high um, high volume cities. You know, really high yeah. volume, massive yeah. mega cities. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's basically within within city. Yeah. So the thing is that the um, what, what's interesting is that the um, what, what the other, because that that technology is great. It, it basically uh, it reduces the uh, the errors that can happen due to AI in the car, and uh, and I think the other issue is that because there are other companies out there who are making self driving cars totally independently, not sharing code, not sharing data and not also not sharing any algorithms, uh, I think there might be an issue with uh, in the future that, okay, you know what, uh, they might, the government might want them to comply and say, well, for the safety of uh, all uh, citizens and everyone, 
um, we need to have that in place where you share the data or you share the algorithm or you do certain things in it in this way such that everyone benefits if you are you know if you if we want self-driving cars technology to to really take off yeah absolutely yeah i'm, I'm sure that will happen i'm pretty sure yeah so the um, yeah that 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 makes sense the other thing is that um, the um, one of the things it um, well, one of the things uh, i did see about is you know the um, the some sort of a new internet coming on we're, we're using the satellites so okay. uh, um, uh, tesla is actually uh, spacex is actually launching uh, satellites which basically power internet down directly. Uh, so it might be... What? What does that it, mean? <laughs> they power... It's, it's basically a new sort of uh, way of uh, uh, delivering internet other than the mobile technologies we have currently. Okay, well, we so, already have satellites that um, that deliver internet to remote, you know, deliver high-speed internet yeah. to remote uh, locations. Yeah. But That's this been, is... They've been around for a while, even... Um, general purpose yeah even general purpose for hope because about four or five years ago one of my contractor friends he he moved into a remote location he he got a he bought an i my lord my words he subscribed to an isp that provided remote like sim cards or something some kind of remote satellite thing and he got a fairly decent speed from it it wasn't as good as fiber but you know it was better than what you could get wired to his home hmm. uh no so that, that that's fine but there's something new coming on which is uh extremely high speed and uh something that basically is uh internet powered through satellites so, so volstrat just said in chat is this referring to starlink satellites starlink satellites uh but okay. i think there are other companies are which are working uh together um for example i think apple is also working on this uh, in association with um, companies. So I think some big companies, because they obviously recognize that uh, it would be a beneficial for all of them that everyone uses internet, which is high powered, mm. uh, then there seems to be something which is new. And I think even uh, staff driving cars will be using that sort of technology to be always, you know, be always connected no matter where you are. Yeah, yeah. So you're not relying on... Uh, um, so it, it's also right. worth it's also worth mentioning as well that it's not just self-driving cars that are going to have that have AI in them. It's it's dashboard, you know, normal cars that just have CPUs built into them that can take commands again and can uh, help and aid the driver. Um, specifically, the the stuff that I was talking about was sending signals to dash units uh, in self-driving and uh, in standard vehicles well i say standards they've got computers in them so they're not i suppose the standard these days but they are um they've got ai within them that controls things and it's basically for vulnerable road users so if somebody is on a cycle or someone a pedestrian walks into the road the sensors detect things and then you know hmm. tell t sends a signal to the car that's turning around the corner that's going to hit them in a second or, or two seconds time to say stop and it will stop and and that that worries me a little bit, a little bit. But at the same time, it obviously reduces uh, fatalities and accidents as well. I think they've already, yeah. they've already done studies on that kind of thing. Yeah, that 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 is quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Okay, so um, we are actually just looking at the time there. We are coming up to the end of our show anyway. Um, have you got any closing comments? Is there anything that you've again? I'm sure there's plenty of things you've missed out that you haven't been able to talk talk about. Um, we've talked about the, a little bit about AI at scale as well. Uh, how it how it is limited when you try and scale it up when you try and give it more information than it can currently uh, handle. You know, more than what you do, what you said about more than a thousand different types of uh, class yeah. Yeah. that it can send into it. Um, and is that, I mean, is that a hard limit at the moment, or is that because of hardware? Uh, no, it's not hard. It's not a hardware limit. It's a, a more like a software limit. Right. So it's pro. It's uh, the programming uh, within the neural networks. The the actual programming or how do how do we make uh, how do we program AI or you know neural networks or better some sort of the better technology than neural networks, which processes more, um, uh, you could say, more classes. Uh, so that's purely a software limit, purely uh, limited by the research and how, you know, if we can think of a better uh, algorithm, then we can basically overcome that. Yeah, I, was, I was working with some very clever people, um, clever academics that were working in machine learning and AI. I may have mentioned them last time we were, uh, we were talking. Uh, and they were working on ridiculously, I mean, way above my head, absolutely way above my head. I know how to put, you know, enterprise solutions together, but when it comes to the stuff that they were doing, they were creating linear models and they were going into all kinds of um, mathematics that I had no idea about. Mm. And they were using functional programming to make it quicker, to 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 process more data and to be able to uh well so i said process data quicker because the models that we use the the programming languages rather that we use are quite yeah. literally too slow for for the the serious amount of data that they had to process to be able to get to the end result that they needed to get to and yeah. that was fairly fairly small scale really for for what we're talking about here but it was still really interesting that they were using machine learning and ai to to do that um, mm. Again, way way above my head and well out of mm. NDAs, well under NDAs, well. So <laughs> again, even if I knew more about it, I couldn't talk about it in more detail. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yes, I think we'll close uh, the show then. So in terms of, um, uh, I could talk about. Uh, uh, um, yeah, I'll give a quick definition of what learning is or machine learning. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, so it's basically from a book, which is uh, quite a nice book on artificial intelligence. It's Artificial Intelligence, A Modern Approach, okay. uh, the third edition by Stuart uh, Russell and uh, Peter Norwick. It's basically uh, giving a definition of an agent is learning if it improves its performance on future tasks after making observations about the world. Learning can range from trivial, as exhibited by you know jotting down a phone number, to profound uh, you know, as uh, exhibited by Albert Einstein, who inferred a new theory of the universe. Now, the thing is that uh, it's because it's so broad, that's why you have so many machine learning algorithms. And this is why it's so difficult to kind of say, what is the definition? And this is why mm. I couldn't really think of a definition last time, because I knew it's like so broad. So it's more like just a way of learning, of improving performance by any means possible. And today we have, uh, the way we do that is basically by uh, you know, reducing uh, uh, the gradient descent, basically, approach, which is that you try to uh, reduce the uh, error 
as much as possible by keep on uh, um, going at that problem again and again and try to reduce the error as um, by seeing how much different you are from last time, how much should it be, and then you try again and then reduce the error. And so it's basically that sort of uh, approach that machine learning today has uh, has just been applied to everything, every single field within AI. Hmm. So could you would you say that um, I'd like to think of AI, and this is a really simple view of it. Um, I'd like to think of AI as some a thought that's come into somebody's head, a theory, an idea that has had uh, a specific that that something that hang on that a computer is dedicated to solving. So say, for example, we say, right, I want to figure, again, very abstract, but I want to figure out how to get to Mars, right? Mm. I know there's there's a whole ton of things that need to be done to get to Mars, but the actual, uh, you could you could program an AI to, to solve that problem. I mean, not right now, but in the future, you could possibly program an AI or a neural network or a series of neural networks to be able to solve all of the problems that are needed to, to be solved, to be able to get uh, hmm. us to Mars so or something like that. It's a bit big. It's a bit large, a bit grand, that, I suppose. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, too big for AI itself. So, okay, we, we, yeah, so we can we can keep keep with the pictures of cats. That uh, makes it a bit easier to, uh, to grasp at the moment. But at the moment, we don't have any worries about AI taking over the world right now. We don't have any worries, and if we, if there was an issue, what I would say is that uh, it would be because we programmed it. The AI is going to become clever because we programmed it, not because it is clever. It is so, all dependent on us, on how we give it the conscious or whatever it has. The whole brain is what we give it and how we tell it how it thinks. And and it's uh, how it thinks all these steps exact is, is something we have to program and simply simply can't do anything in itself unless we tell it how it needs to do what itself. Well, when we get to the subject, we talked about it last time briefly about general AI, and we talk about uh, AI that can write code that teaches it more. You know, teaches it's it's, uh, it's, it's basically too far because we it's have to science tell fiction it at the moment. Yeah, it's we have to tell it even that we have to tell it how it has to be done. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, is it would be. I'm assuming if we ever did get to that point where an AI could write its own code or its own algorithms to learn other things, not necessarily what it's been specialized in, other things related to it, at that point, it would be a split second before, you know, because computers would be so powerful by that point that if, if that happened and it could write its own things, it would write everything and it would suddenly be the most powerful and intelligent thing on the planet. I, I don't know. I, I th uh, from what I understand, it seems like uh, we have to give it. We have to give a lot of information. Uh, we ha and we have to give not only data, and we have we also have to give uh, in how it needs to process and uh, think. It's it's just not. It's just not. Uh, I I, no. see, I can't see the feature where it will all of a sudden it it will start doing everything itself. That is just. Uh, it sounds too good to be true because it's. The way you know when we when you program it and when you see errors and when you're trying to do so much so much research is going into as in so much conscious human brain power you know conscious meaningful brain power is going into programming this and still it's not good enough. Hmm. 
and then you're thinking, oh, then you're thinking, oh, it's it'll become all, all powerful in itself. It's just not. It does not happen like that. Don't get me wrong. It's a it's a thought experiment. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't. I'm not worried for one second. I'm just. It's just interesting to think. Or yeah. Think about the scenario where, yeah. if if a computer, if a program, if an AI, if a neural network, if anything that was programmed by humans was powerful enough to write its own algorithms to make it, to allow it to learn, just think about what that would take to get to that point. It's it's insane. Then yeah. at that point, at the the split second it was able to do that, it would it would just suddenly know everything. Because it would be able to very quickly write, it would be able to answer all of the questions of the universe immediately. Because it know, and it's it's pie in the sky. It's complete madness to think that we could even get to that point. But it's nice. It's nice to watch films like you know, um, Deus Ex Machina and or Ex Machina rather, and uh, you know Terminator and those kind of things where where the AIs have taken over and it's like, oh, this is this is going to be our future. But I genuinely yeah. think we'll destroy ourselves before the AIs are even close to being uh, being capable of that anyway let us close the show I thank you very much Zane it has been wonderful having you on the show um, thanks to everybody in Twitch chat there has been a few comments during the show but most people have been, uh, have been quiet and uh, respectful like me during the show, because it's always it's it's always interesting getting people on who who know thing a lot about things that I don't know, because I just I find myself fascinated by it. My my mind, as you probably noticed, my mind goes a bit crazy, and it's like I'm trying to figure out how I could use it in my you know my existing kind of world. What what where would I be able to apply this apart from you know writing things that have already or, or playing around with things that are just random ideas but then also how you know how it is being used in the wider world and there's all kinds of things going on that I've got no idea about because I'm not on the cutting edge and I don't read all the newspapers and I don't read all the technical articles out there Um, and there's all kinds of things that AI is being used for that we just don't know and we are feeding data to it constantly as well yeah. Um, so yes, thank you, Zane. Uh, is your now your time to uh, pimp yourself if you've got any side projects you're in the middle of, or you've got a company you want to advertise, or just anything cool that you've yeah. uh, you've got to share? Sure. Uh, so I'm uh, basically a data strategy consultant, and uh, what I do is uh, I help companies uh, create a data strategy and then and show how it can be implemented. Uh, whether it requires AI or whether it doesn't require AI and what it means um, to how we can actually make money using data uh, or save money first, actually save money and then make money. So that's what uh, I normally do. Uh, so, yeah. Good stuff. Well, said. thanks for having you. It's uh, It's been wonderful. Thanks for coming on. Um, you can visit our website on www.dnistream.live where we have all of our podcasts, uh, past and this one will be on very shortly uh, in the future. Um, all our social media channels are on there, and you can join our Discord uh, server from there too. You can also use it to get in touch with us for anything. If you want to be a guest on the show, you've got any topics you want us to talk about, um, or you've got any feedback or anything like that, or you want to get in touch with Zane, and you've got you've got his Twitter and his uh, his LinkedIn right there anyway. So um, please do if. Uh, 
that's your thing. And uh, don't forget, forget to follow our Twitch channel. We are now Twitch affiliates as well. We finally turned it on. So if you really do want to subscribe, there is a button at the top. Uh, we're not we're not the kind of people who'll scream about it. So probably the last first and last time I'll say anything about it at least anyway. Um, we hope to see you all next week at 7pm on Thursday. Hopefully Josie will be back with us. But if she has got the old, uh, the dreaded C word, then uh, maybe she won't be with us. Maybe she'll be off for a few weeks. Um, but yes, much love to Josie, and I'm sure everybody in chat says the same. And thank you very much, Zane. Thank you. See you all next week. See Bye -bye. you. Bye.